When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We welcome in our favorite Husker offensive lineman, longtime NFLer, uh, Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, it is Sparty Week. How are we doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. It's Halloween. You know, it's one of those things where it's, uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold, but the kids are going to want to go. So you got to muster up, adapt, and overcome. Uh, you know, just go out there and start stealing some candy from some kids. I see. And uh, are you going as Big Werewolf? Are you dressed up as uh, kind of a, uh, a throwback hunter look to uh, to take pillowcases of candy? You have three little ones. Mm-hmm. So what are they going as? So Oliver wanted to be a knight. So he's a knight. Aylin is a princess. Okay. Graham, uh, our youngest, our seven-month-old, is going to be a dragon. And then he wanted mommy and daddy to be kings and queens. So okay. I am the king and Emma is the queen. I would like to go as a hunter because that means I could wear all my warm crap and be warm. But looks like I'm going to have Emma got me this like scepter. But as she handed it to me, she goes, man, it looks a lot looks a lot bigger when normal people are handing it. So I have a little baby, tiny, like two foot scepter that I get to carry around tonight. Well, well, well tell me about the, the, the king outfit aside from the scepter. Is it a Game of Thrones-esque? Yeah, is it fairy tale-esque? What type of king are we talking? It's a great question. Haven't seen it yet. Emma ordered it, and she'll pin it on me when it's time to leave. I guess that's none of your business, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your yeah. business. So I, I would think, based on the, the fandom level of Game of Thrones, Searles, I mean, what what Game of Thrones character would you go as? The Mountain. Okay. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't have set me up for you. I mean, it's just to be able to pop somebody's eyeballs up. Okay, so head. that'd be awesome. So you're gonna go mount? I was, no, no hound, huh? No, not the hound. I don't want to get burned alive. That's no fun. Yeah, I'm I don't an older of, brother just hold me over the edge. I mean, yeah. Everyone else in that show, like besides those two guys, like everyone else is pretty messed up. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, I mean. <laughs> Or dead, yeah. you know, spoilers. Uh, you know, it's more along the lines of, like, they're actually really cool and you fell in love with them and then... Yeah, no, I know the the, the last scene. I get it. Um, you could have gone with... You got the Jon Snow beard going. Yeah, he's a good one, but I don't feel like getting stabbed and mutinied by my friends. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he didn't really die. He just and went to sleep for a while. Dead. Yeah, yeah there we go. Spoilers, cat, spoilers. Cat, spoilers. Cat nap. Yeah, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> I'm the last guy in the world that was going to get into Game of Thrones. And then <laughs> Searles was like, dude, you got to check it out. You got to check it hey. out. So I'm going to tell you for months co- COVID that. hit. COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And I had a week. So I, yeah. I did. 
So there we go. I used to rewatch it after every offseason okay. in the NFL. I'd come back, start fresh, <laughs> watch it all the way through. And now it's a it's a game of Thrones tribute for the Searles family Halloween escapade. Mm-hmm. I like it. Jeremiah Searles with us. Searles, how about this Michigan State-Nebraska series? Just going through some of the past showdowns. I mean, the Jamal Turner touchdown in 2012 you were on that two-minute drive to win it looked bleak especially with the pick inside the red zone and nebraska comes back all the way to win that was a really good 2013 team for sparty that outlasted nebraska 2015 was nuts the only loss of a playoff team for d'antonio with riley's catch uh, Demone Pearsonell, his return magic in 2014 and even 2021 where Nebraska had that thing and then you had the the fake punt sort of look or the deke by Sparty and they get the punt return with about three minutes left in 2021 and win in overtime. What chapter is Saturday going to be like? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a very similar game. You know, I think on paper, you look at it and you might say Michigan State on defense has a little bit more talent. But from the way that this Husker football team is playing together and the way that they're coming together and playing complementary football, you know, obviously we got to get the turnovers cleaned up. That's something that when you play teams that are more talented than Purdue or Northwestern, I'll put it that way, they will make you pay. They find ways to make you pay, and they find ways to take advantage of those turnovers. You know, Michigan State, I'm not going to say is head and shoulders above Northwestern, Illinois, or Purdue, but I do think they have some more playmakers on the edge that could make things happen. So taking care of the football is going to be a big part of this, but, you know, Nebraska is not good enough to overlook anyone, regardless if we've won three in a row or not. And every time you start putting a win streak together, the next game just becomes that much more important. The pressure kind of shifts over onto the winning team. And, you know, Michigan State has basically no pressure on them at all. They're just trying to come out there and survive, and they've been fighting in every game they've been in. I think this is going to be a really good football game. It's Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio as we talk Nebraska-Michigan State, what Sparty brings and uh, what the Huskers face on Saturday. And Searles, whenever you look at the offensive line, you knew I had to go there, you being the offensive line guy. That was the big talking point in Nebraska last week. What was this offensive line going to look like against Purdue? And now we get to this week, and offensive lines moved to the back burner. It wasn't a, a loud performance from the offensive line in either way. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. And I think that's all you can ask for. They weren't the ones that you were talking about following the game. And I think sometimes with offensive linemen, that is your goal within a game. I want to get your thoughts on what that offensive line showed you on Saturday and what they need to get done on Saturday against Sparty. Yeah, you know, I thought for having three new starters along the front, first of all, I think Ben Scott played one of his best games as a, as a Cornhusker. You know, and you need your center when you've got two new starting guards to really step up in a big way, making sure everyone's on the same page. Not a lot of communication errors. You know, but you look across the board, Dutovsky, Evans Jenkins, Teddy Prohaska, I thought all those guys played very well for being their first, like, true week of being the starter, moving into starting. And, you know, a lot of those guys, I mean, Evan Jenkins being a first time starting. And so I thought they did a really nice job. They really did a nice job. I mean, Emma Johnson averaged almost six yards a carry. So they did a good job on first and second down, continuing to be efficient in the run game and then putting themselves in third and manageable so we weren't getting ourselves in a drop back game. You know, but going on the road, and it's something not everyone's going to talk about, but going on the road with a new offensive line brings a whole nother realm of challenges, first starting with the snap count, right? When you're at home, you control the snap count. It's a verbal snap count. Now you got to understand the timing of the head bob. You have to understand the clap or the leg lift or whatever it may be and making sure you don't chop off sides, but also making sure you're not laid off the ball with the timing. You know, all that stuff comes into 
comes into play when you go on the road. And, you know, this is a group that's never been on the road together. So communication needs to be streamlined because it's going to be loud. I mean, it's not going to be super hostile, I don't think, but it will be loud. Understanding communication, getting the play call, getting the calls all put together. That's going to be something I'll keep a pretty close eye on early in this game to see just the kind of the communication that's going along up front. When you look at a game plan, Nebraska wants to be a physical run team. And they've relied a lot on Harburg to be that runner. Uh, I like Elijah's point about Emmett Johnson, and your point about his his yards per carry. I mean, Emmett showed some things in that fourth quarter after yet another turnover and situation that went awry. Nebraska finally kind of hunkered down when I formation bled the clock and, and got a you know big ripoff touchdown run. What can Emmett do? Do you see him kind of ascending with this opportunity? Can he be a difference Saturday in conjunction with that offensive line? Yeah, I think he's going to have to be. I know. I think Harburg only threw the ball 12 times against Purdue, and that needs to be the game plan. If we want to win and be effective on offense, Harburg needs to throw between probably 18 and 23 times max would be kind of the the cap I'd like to put on him. But then that falls a lot onto the running backs, and it falls a lot on – I mean, Adrian Martinez said it best on Big Rad Wrap-Up a few nights ago, your quarterback can't be your lead carrier. You just can't. You know, it's not a sustainable way for to have an offense because your quarterback is going to get dinged at one point if they run the football the way they do. And I love Harburg. I love the aggressiveness in which he runs the football. But someone teach him to slide. It's okay. No one's going to boo you out of the stadium when you're going to slide, right? And understand when to take on the physical. You got a safety. You got a corner. Yeah, run that dude over. But if you've got a 255-pound middle linebacker hunting you down, go down. It's okay. Live to fight another day, right? And I think that'll clean up with some of the fumble issues that he has because I do think he likes to try and finish runs so powerfully. You know, sometimes you're leaning in that and that ball can sneak away from the chest a little bit or, you know, it gets a little loose instead of understanding, hey, my number one priority is taking care of this football and gaining yards and getting down and staying healthy. But Emma Johnson needs to be the lead carry back. You know, Grant has time and time again had his opportunities, but again, fumbles have become an issue. And I think Emma Johnson has the highest ceiling in this running back room right now. And I'd like to just see him continue to gain confidence, gaining timing with that offensive line, and just earning more trust. So as you talk about Heinrich Harburg getting down, and I want to get your thoughts. Josh Allen's a guy you played with, you watch a lot. Whenever he's got a linebacker bearing down on him, you ever seen him do that weird hurdle thing that he does where he kind of hops in the air? Is that something Heinrich Harburg should put in the bag? Absolutely not. Go down. <laughs> no, that's asking for trouble. And Josh has gotten caught a few times this year trying to do it and getting lifted up in the air. And you can hear all of collective Bills Mafia go, <laughs> right? I mean, and I think that's somewhat similar now when Harburg's running the football too, is, you know, he's, <laughs> and then when he ran in the fourth quarter and he had two hands on, he looked like a peewee football player because he's like, I will not fumble. And he wasn't even <laughs> moving his arms. It's like, okay, we need to find the happy medium here. But I think a lot of that can just get taken care of, of not taking unnecessary shots when you don't have to. Are you surprised at, at how this year's flipped or, or going? I mean, Nebraska still has a lot of work to do. But this is something that hasn't happened since 2016 when it comes to uh, the October run and and beyond. I mean, you had to go back to 2021. They, they've not beaten the best teams, but they've beaten teams that they haven't beaten in a while. So are, are you surprised that Nebraska has been able to turn a bit of a corner and overcome some things that may have beaten them in the past? Yeah, you know, a lot of that, I think, goes to just not making some bonehead mistakes. You know, thinking back to some of the games we lost under the Scott Frost era, the 
face masks and the 15-yard penalties and some of those things that would rear their ugly heads in the fourth quarter especially, we haven't seen those. Now, we've still seen the turnovers, but the biggest difference is Tony White and Tony White's ability to have this defense not allow a team like Northwestern when we turn the ball over three times in the first quarter to not be up 21 nothing, mm-hmm. right? And that has been the issue with Nebraska in the past is we've had the turnover issues, but then the other teams have capitalized on that and we found ourselves in a hole and especially with this offense, we're not built to come back two scores, right? That's not what this team is built. This team's built to keep it within one score, keep it close, and then grind it out in the fourth quarter with some physical run plays. And, you know, I think a lot of that is just people understanding situational football, Coach Rule coaching situational football, not allowing things like that to go on in the practice field, not allowing those type of things. And I think the team's really buying into that type of stuff. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, do you have an explanation for the why? Why, why are the fumbles happening i don't unfortunately yeah i know that i've been a part of teams where fumbles have become an, fumbles were an issue and it almost becomes a thing where all you can think about is don't fumble mm-hmm. and as anyone who's ever done anything if all you can think about is not doing something right it's like i will not eat that cookie i will not eat that cookie <laughs> like and then eventually what do you do you eat the cookie Right. And so there's a part of me that thinks that this team, it's been harped on now, not just by the coaches, but now it's all over the media. And guess what? Every other team knows it. And I don't know about you, but when I watch this team, I see a lot of defensive people ripping at that football. Right. It's part of this team's DNA right now. And that is something where if you're a defensive coach and you're playing the Huskers, the first thing you say when you come in on Monday and Tuesday is you put up that turnover differential and you say, boys, this team gives up the football. Go for it. Right. So I think it's a combination of all those things of, hyper aware of it on our side, other teams also being aware of it. And so putting more of a point of emphasis on it and then just kind of collectively, we're just, the ball's not bouncing our way and we're not taking care of it. See, Cyril's with that, that hyper fixation, if you will, it's funny because every single day I get on the radio and I say, I will not cuss on the radio. I will not cuss on the radio. And I still haven't cussed on the radio. So maybe I'm just the outlier here, the exception. Sometimes it does work. It's kind of but like if a I fumble. Walked, but if, if I walked in there and I punched you in the teeth, would you cuss on the radio? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah See? No. And so that's the part of it. You can think all you want about not doing something, but when there becomes a, an external factor that then becomes involved that is no longer within your control, sometimes it now becomes I cussed on the radio because Searles has my arm in a pinhole. See, that's yeah. a great point. That's what well, I didn't well, think of. And you may cuss. We just may not understand it. <laughs> Right, if he punches you in the face, I mean, he could yeah. have a, a, I mean, he might be eating out of a straw, but for a little bit. Uh-huh. Searles, I like that. I mean, uh, the old uh, threat and violence, a little Wookie uh, yeah. type uh, type treatment. Because there. also, before you move on, think about it. when I threatened that I would come in there and punch you in the face. What happened? A little tense, a little shiver, a little thought. Uh-huh. So then, then like that's the same thing with running the football, right? You run the football and you're thinking, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble, and then it's like oh man, I got to go take this hit. And then you kind of forget all of a sudden about not fumbling. And so you think about taking the hit and then the ball security comes and that other team's thinking rip the ball out and then the ball pops out, right? That's kind of how it all starts to swirl and snowball on you. Hmm. Now, with the experience you had, because your teams sometimes put the ball on the ground. Oh yeah. And you had good defenses that responded, but they couldn't do it every time. Was it extra chippy? Were they pissed at you in practice? Did you ever scream at a teammate, or was there a concerted effort to uh, to friendly 
Friendly remind that guy, quit fumbling the football, or is it just a stupid question? Not during the game. I think it's never it's never a good time to come after someone for fumbling during a game because emotions are high, blood is boiling, right? No one's you're going to say things you regret. Mm-hmm. But there there definitely was times where behind closed doors, Monday, Tuesday during the week, you know, you come into a meeting room, and as a leader of the team, you know, you sit down and go like, "Hey, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to." Like, you know, this is unacceptable. Right. And Coach Boa has had a saying, you know, ball security is job security. And Coach Rule is sat by that fact very well. Like people fumble. We don't see them very often again for a while. Right. They get to earn the right to come back and carry the football or carrying the football is a, is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a privilege to carry the football. You hold the hopes and the dreams of the entire team in that ball in your hands. And if you fumble the ball, you're screwing your brothers. You're screwing your other guys out there and you will be held accountable for it. And I think that that's the path that it takes. That's the path that's always been on all the teams that I've been on. But, you know, if it gets to a point where when we fumble as much as we have been, sometimes emotions do run high and people will say things on the sideline and it, it can get a little ugly. So, Rolls, last thought here, a podcast exclusive question for you. With Nebraska being uh, in a four-way tie for first in the Big Ten West, how do you put that out of your your? Your, your mind as you go out there and, and step in between the white lines. Is that something you want to be thinking about throughout the week? Is that something you don't want to think about at all? What is the balance there? Yeah, you know, that goes back kind of to the point I had earlier about how every win becomes that much more important. And, you know, it's not one of those things that you can just put out of your mind. It's there. But it's okay if it's a goal. Now, if it's pressure, that's where it can start to unravel you a little bit. But if you set out it with a goal of, hey, I'm going 1-0 and this week in order to give myself an opportunity to put ourselves in a position to win the West, that's a goal. But if you're going out there going, man, if we don't win this, then we're out of West contention. We have to win this game or else it's all over. That becomes pressure, and that can create anxiety, and that can start to unravel you a little bit as a player. And that comes down to the coaches understanding how to say that in the right way, how the leaders on that team but it also comes back to this football team specifically learning how to handle winning. You know, I have a, Coach Zimmer had a saying, and I'm pretty sure I've said on the show before, you know, there, there's a roadmap to becoming a champion, right? First, you have to learn how to practice. Then you have to learn how to win. Then you have to learn how to handle winning. And then you can become a champion. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're on the right steps here. Practice has started going well. We've started winning some football games. But how you handle winning is equally important to winning the football game, how you prepare every single week. Because that then gives you the opportunity to continue to win more games, and that's how you eventually become a champion. Searles, you have a fateful choice, black licorice or candy corn. You have to give one out. Which is it? Oh, candy corn. Black licorice is disgusting. Okay. So you're, you're team candy corn. I'm team candy corn all the live long day. If those are my only two options, now I'd rather have a Reese's or a Snickers or something with some gooey, gooey chocolate in it. But if I have to go candy corn and licorice, sign me up for the candy corn sticky teeth any day of the week. All right. Searles, be good. Enjoy uh, trick-or-treating tonight. I absolutely appreciate you guys. Go Big Red.